I can only imagine what it would be like with Iron Man dead. But that spider guy slinging his web to the Fantastic Four. Give me more, more mutants. No more mutants. Scarlet Witch said, now they're dead. There we go. Awesome. Hey, did you hear about Jeremy Renner? Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, what? Jeremy Renner's ex-wife, Sonny, says he threatened to kill her, put a gun in his mouth when he was drunk and high, leaves cocaine in the bathroom counter as they battle over custody of their six-year-old daughter. Uh, so long Hawkeye TV show. It's supposed to come out on Disney+. Plus. Don't you dare do that to me, Jeremy. You get your shit together. I need that. No, dude, that show's not gonna come out. I promise you. Ah, uh, if that like within, I, I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just saying it is what it is. Like here, uh, uh, I, I mean, you've got to give her the benefit of the doubt. I think it's a court thing. She's saying no, not benefit. I don't. I don't know. What, what are you supposed to do with this? How are we supposed to take this? Well, one branch of knowledge says no matter what a woman says, you have to believe her. Because no woman, and this part is very true, women, for the most part, don't want to be seen as a victim. And they're not going to just make shit up to be a victim. On the other hand, you're allowed due process. And just because a bunch of people on Twitter, I mean, like, the dangerous thing is what is happening to due process. The good thing is we are listening to women where previously we didn't listen to them. Other than that, I got nothing. I'm not trying to say that I am uh, against due process, but due process is for a court of law. Right. Right. The and only so thing I, that matters here. <laughs> well, but, but, not, but not really, though. Not really, because Go it, on. it's not as if the – I mean, are we a public that – is it – do we all just decide that we're going to agree with whatever the court has to say? So is OJ innocent? No, but I no, that's, think that's an extreme example. Right, right, right. But all that not guilty means is uh, guilty doesn't mean all that not guilty doesn't mean innocent. Right. It's just a not guilty. It's not guilty enough to convict. So this is the hard thing. Like if you're a media company, you specialize in people, right? Like you're selling people and their acting ability, their sex appeal. When their personal lives go off the rails. Like this. So let's assume that what she said was true. Um, when your personal life goes so off the rails, when ought you to take action against an employee? Do you, do, do you suspend them immediately? It's a good... Do you fire them? Because here's the deal. It's just an accusation. What if it goes to the court of law where evidence matters as opposed to Twitter and you find out, oh my goodness, there really is no evidence, or no, absolutely, you know, all that other mm-hmm. stuff. So that's that's my when I say due process, I don't necessarily mean like what you were saying, like, yeah, it has to go to a court of law, and then I will will or will not believe. But like, you need evidence of this stuff, and it's not like they're giving evidence on Twitter. I have no reason to not believe her. Jeremy Renner seems like an unhinged human being, right? I have no desire for Jeremy Renner to be out of jail <laughs> you know like i don't care about him in and so i mean it's not like i know him and he's my favorite actor he looks like well, kind of but a this dick. is this is the weird part about acting though and yeah. especially within the whole uh, method movement yeah uh 
is, and I, I, I've been dying to talk about this for a while, but I'm not prepared, so I'm not going to go too deep into this. But I have been kind of fascinated by this uh, whole actor studio on the method acting stuff that's been going on for, to be honest, half a, you know, over half a century now. Um, so for those who don't know, it's it's this thing. It started, I believe, in the 1940s and the 1950s. One of the, the first big couple stars to come out of this out of this out of this actress movement, I believe, which was in New York. Uh, and I apologize; these are the only two examples that are coming to mind right now. Are uh, James Dean and two is Marlon Brando. So it's the idea that you have to emote real emotion, mm-hmm. like truly. And now that's all acting is, and. Some of the downfall of that is uh, from an acting from a from a story standpoint is that the emotions you experience from the character tends to trump um, the moral or the themes of the story. So we don't talk about like what is the point of this story. We talk about how fun it is to live in that world because it's the actors who make that come alive. And it's now it's it's basically when act you know how back in like old films everyone I'm talking like this yeah. and it was all these kind of like hyper exaggerated things, but it was always about the story. Usher in this you know like kind of new wave of acting that was very much this I mean kind of awesome I I think in some in some regards. You uh, have the whole like, method thing, but the point though of like why I bring this up is I think we now have a much more emotional connection to actors because we see them emote deep things. We almost experience that um, with them, and it creates this weird bond. Almost, I would say it's because it, you have to remember it's only in the modern era that we even hold actors up as people to be to be. To be respected. In the past, it was a profession not that much higher than prostitution. Right, right, right. Because you're pretending. You know, it's not real. What you're doing isn't real. And um, so, what happens when you have this emotional connection? Like, we all love Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Yeah. Like I do, I absolutely I love Chris Evans. I love Chris Hemsworth. I love Scar- I love all of the Marvel actors. Jeremy Renner is probably my least favorite out of all, but not because he did anything wrong. I just like the let, other ones let, better. Let me put it this way: I love Lindsay Lohan because of who she was in Mean Girls. Like especially exactly. her yeah, beginning yeah, yeah. character, this sweet little totally. innocent homeschool girl. I love her, and now I'm like, no. She's made some bad decisions. I constantly want to give her the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. I mean, she hasn't been doing anything really. Like this shows how much in dad mode you have you have been in since two thousand nine. Because I was like the heyday of her doing all that crazy stuff, and he, like really using her as as an example. And we'd have college kids who would be listening to this are going, "Who? <laughs> <laughs> Boo them! Boo those college kids!" Just kidding. And tell us for seek to invite us to their conference. Ah, whatever. Screw them. Or so focus. <laughs> whatever. Just kidding. <laughs> it's funny how everyone gets invited but us. Anywho, <laughs> I've accepted it. It's fine. Yeah. My 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 point though is um. It is it is interesting to be like so. Well, what was the point of the method actor part that we just have a profound that, I, amount I think of that's artificial one reason empathy? Why we, yeah, like we have this artificial empathy or an artificial connection with them because they emote these things on screens and we get caught up in those moments. Like Tom Cruise, I mean, he's crazy. I'll be very honest. <laughs> 
like I, I've heard him in interviews, and he's like, he sounds kind of cool. He's very bland, but he sounds like a kind of cool guy. And he does a few things very, very well. He stares at you, and it's like, ooh. Uh, <laughs> and he runs very, very well. That's what Tom Cruise does. Those like he gets real intense and just kind of stares, and then he runs. Um, yeah, and we love him because of that, because he does it better than anyone else could, and he looks good doing it. That's kind of the whole thing behind it, you know. It's, and what happens when the, someone that you f- you know think you have a quote unquote connection with, and I don't think most people really think that they have a connection, but they they you know they like because we say I like this actor or I like that other actor. Like, well, why do you like them? I think we generally say like we see, we tend to like whatever personality they're able to portray on screen and do it with some form of authenticity yeah. and uh, with method acting you have to tap it you have to find that within you is you it's you almost can't necessarily fake what you're doing um and so when when they do a thing like this I think that's why there's this reaction to quote unquote cancel them is because it feels like you lied to me. Yeah. I thought you were an avenging angel who fired arrows from the sky. You lied to me, you son of a bitch. You were an actor. You know, or like, uh, yeah. I no, but I, I agree you, with I'm, you. I'm just being a jerk. But I agree with you. Like, you you, you feel like almost like you're investing in them. It, it's almost like the ugly side of that is like Amy Schumer, when fans come up and demand her to do something funny for their selfie, or they're, you know, they're yeah, recorded yeah. like a little video and it's like, what in the hell, dude? Like, I'm I don't getting coffee. Yeah. It's like, I don't yeah. owe you anything. Yeah, you do. I made you famous. Like, you didn't make me famous. I, I understand you watch myself, but you didn't make me famous. But yeah, there is, I would say, yeah, we empathize with them, but we also feel like uh, maybe an entitlement or ownership of them because they are a public property. Yeah. I, I it's, um, what are you doing right now? Uh, I'm taking notes <laughs> as to what you're talking about. <laughs> you are? Whoa. So Whoa. you're saying that false empathy triggers either I'm willing to believe them at all costs or I feel like personally betrayed by the Betrayed, people. yeah. And so it this adds kind to of, the vitriol. Like you've... Okay, so let's assume that it's happened. This is a horrible thing. And uh, I understand not wanting to empower people to do awful stuff. Like, that makes a whole lot of sense. I, I don't know where forgiveness comes into all of this. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, kind of, that's a weird part because I think it's not, a court of, it's not a court of law. So I think you can, like, judge a person based upon, like, things that you have read or go, oh, my gosh, in a divorcing, his wife said that. I'm not comfortable going to see his stuff right now. I think that's fine. Like, I didn't watch a lot of Tom Cruise stuff after his whole science, after the Scientology. I can't remember what it was. I think I watched, like, a documentary on Scientology. I was like, you know what? I, I don't, in good consciousness, I just can't go see a Tom Cruise film. So I skipped over a few. And then the one where he went back in time came out, and that was cool. Which one was that? The, uh, oh, what is that? A point of. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow Man. or something. I watched and that I, for Emily Blunt. Am I right up top? <laughs> I just I don't know I don't know man it's kind of like I don't um I guess here's here's where I'm at oh with this there's been enough of this to happen that I don't feel we need to do the proverbial 
taking his career to the guillotine immediately. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. I guess my love, my desire to see Hawkeye, like that Disney Plus a thing, kind of outweighs like my desire. No, I mean, like what he did is horrible to his wife, and don't give me. I mean, who knows? I I, I might have a hard time with it and go. I just can't, you know. But I don't have the emotional energy, I guess, to cancel Jeremy Renner. I'm disgusted by it. I don't really like want to. Um, sing his praises by any means necessary if this comes out and the evidence is it's like yeah man he's a cokehead and he's doing all this horrible stuff i would never watch hawkeye i would never it would not affect me in any way shape or form i'm kind of done with the entrenchment into the mcu uh, yeah oh i agree I, yeah. I it's funny it's like right when infinity war endgame whatever those came out i was like good ending it's done in my heart. Like, all the rest is just candy. It's just candy. That I invested in for 10 years. This is just candy. No, but I, I guess I wanted to see... Yeah. I'm with you. I, um, um, with you. I'm in no rush to see a lot of these Disney Plus things, but I would like to see it. That was the one I was the most interested in. Yeah, okay. So, because uh, I've heard that, like, I've heard that Hawkeye is actually a very interesting comic book character. Oh, There's a lot that they can do with he, it. After the Avengers movie, they came out with a new Hawkeye series in the comic books. He's usually like a, I mean, he's not like he's a, not an important character at all. But with this new series, he because of the um, Avengers movies, he got a totally new lease on life. And his movie or his comic books have been hilarious. They had like one guy who designed it and all this stuff, and people like love the new Hawkeye line. And I've heard it's I've heard it it is supposed to be that. So I don't oh, know, man. It's weird. That's awesome. Or it's like it's it's weird. I just um I find myself not wanting to be wrong about this. So that's why I'm like, which I guess is more of a prideful thing. I don't I um like when the whole Kevin Spacey thing came out, I was like, man. That sucks. I love Kevin Spacey, but I have no desire to see him in anything now. Yeah. You know, I have no desire to see a movie produced by Harvey Weinstein again. Um, I have, see, no, the I have funny no thing is with Harvey watching. Weinstein is like, screw that guy, right? Like, when you have multiple, multiple cases, and you don't also don't have that empathy for him because he was behind the camera. He wasn't in front of him. Well, there's that. And, okay, I need to turn off your camera because I know that you're listening, but I feel like you're not. Oh, really? That's so yeah. funny. I'm writing no, down every word you say. No, and and that's what I know, and it's totally fine. It's just throwing me off. Fair enough. I'll turn okay. No, 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 no. And and I don't mind that you're doing that, but it's just uh, it's like it's like the teacher in me. I'm like, why yeah. aren't you paying attention? Don't um, you know that doodlers are paying more attention than non doodlers? I know. I'm like, you mother ever pay attention? Mm-hmm. Um, I not that it. I ever thought that about any of my students. I did all the time. Your teachers. Your teachers think terrible, think terrible things about you, like you're a piece of shit. And I'm just kidding. That's not true. Um, Luke's never going to get hired for an for an education job again. Yay! My point, though, is uh, the thing about Harvey Weinstein, which makes this worse to me, is this is a like pattern. Of, like that was how he, and it's tough. I don't know anything about of the Jeremy Renner thing besides these accusations. That sounds like just a cracked out, like a cracked out, horrible guy who needs a whole, who needs a hell of a lot of help. 
Yeah. Harvey Weinstein is more like this is like a methodical evil man who like who basically like used his power to abuse women. Yeah, repeatedly. Yeah, like that like this was a thing that he did. And and that could be what Jamie Rayner does. He could be this horrible cokehead who just is an asshole to everyone and is just a douchebag and uh we should not like, you know, I I I just don't know. Yeah. Um it's kind of it's kind of like the Mel Gibson thing. When that happened, his wife was actually like kind of saying, "Hey, he this guy like needs help." You know, and I I wonder if and there's a difference between a guy who's just kind of un now again horrible things to put a gun to your wife's head and threaten. I'm, I'm, that's awful. And if he did that, he should go to jail. I think Jeremy, his wife was saying he put a gun in his own mouth. I thought he, I thought it said he put a gun to her, like he threatened to kill her. Oh, okay, maybe not. okay. But there's, there's I mean, that's that's kind of, I mean, like now that I said out loud, I'm like, this is awful. Yeah. I just, I just think, I think that the Harvey, yeah, I don't know if if actually that's true. I don't think I could watch that if if he. Put a gun to her head. That's actually not that I say it out loud. That's terrible. <laughs> well, it's a lot worse when you actually enunciate the problem. Okay, so I may have gotten that confused. Um, Jeremy Renner has accused of. So, okay, he put a gun in his own mouth and he has like threatened to kill her, which is awful and should be like you yeah. should go to jail if you do that. Uh, but he did not put a gun to her head. So I don't know where I, I don't know why I just came up with that out of nowhere. So I apologize. Um, he was drunk and high on coke. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh boy. Good I Lord. hope I don't sound like a monster there who's like, well, I mean, if you put a gun to a woman's head, I mean, I'll still watch your movie. That's <laughs> not what I meant. So th- there's a difference between, like, um, this and the whole Chris Hardwick thing. Okay. The Chris Hardwick thing was a medium post. And judging by Chris Hardwick's how his career as he's, he's not where he was, but he has absolutely bounced back. I think probably more than almost anyone whose name is you know forever um, linked now to Me Too. I think you could argue that Chris Hardwick has probably had the best comeback because it's it's you know it's kind of seeming like oh perhaps he was just like you know a crappy boss to some people and not the best boyfriend in, in the world but not an abuser you know his ex all of his ex-girlfriends came out and said he's never done anything um he's never done anything anything like this his um wife has stayed by him other um celebrities have said no this you know this is just not 100 percent accurate anyway it's all based on like medium blog post this is a person saying this in court yeah like that, like that. To me, that carries infinite more weight. Yeah. And so, wait, wait, wait. Someone saying something in court versus a blog post carries more weight. Whatever, Luke. Weird, right? And so, and I think after like I read like what all exactly happened, it's like you know that's probably what a dude who's cracked out on coke and who's just you know an addict would do terrible, extreme things. It's awful, but um, I don't think I'd be comfortable seeing him in a. Yeah, yeah, I think it's done uh, for me. But yeah, it's definitely done for me. Definitely done for me. But I wouldn't have a you know, and 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 we have talked about this before about how we both were kind of done with the whole only Marvel stuff after Endgame. Yeah, uh, we say that now. Who knows what happens when <laughs> Disney Plus comes out? But um, my point. Who knows is what that, happens when they get the Fox properties yeah, and the Sony properties working together again? Uh, could you imagine? 
I can only imagine what it would be like with Iron Man dead. But that spider guy slinging his web to the Fantastic Four. Give me more, more mutants. No more mutants. Scarlet Witch said, now they're dead. All right, here's the deal. You ain't got no staff, no time, and certainly no budget to make creating compelling content for social media in any way a priority. So what do you do as a Catholic parish? Probably what most parishes do, and you just copy and paste things straight from your bulletin page onto your Facebook page. Man, that ain't no way to live. And yet, all the millennials, Gen Xers, and even grumpy, fussy baby boomers are online like 24-7, which means your church can be online like 24-7. And they don't just want you to have a presence online. They want it to be good, like like really, really good. That's why CatholicSocial.media exists. You subscribe to them, and they hook you up with daily social media posts that you can personalize for your parish without their, like, logo all over the stuff. You know, like when you illegally pull stuff from Google Image Search, and it has other people's logos all over everything? Not that I've ever done that. I am as pure as the morning dew. CatholicSocial.media is a Catholic company with Catholic artists, designers, writers, and videographers coming up with the very best stuff for your parish. And you can look like a genius and save time and money. Head on over right now to try.catholicsocial.media. Apparently, the design nerds over there are big fans of Catching Foxes, and they created a free trial with a discount code FOXES for you just to try out their stuff and see if it's a good fit for your parish. That's a free trial with the promo code FOXES over at try.catholicsocial.media. Special thanks to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. Um, I'd like to enter. I'd like to have a segment. Can can we have a segment? Can we start a thing called Luke moves back to his hometown? Uh-oh, <laughs> so so conflicting. You have to get a new haircut, drive the same old Geo Tracker. Go on. Oh gosh, I only wish. I only wish. Uh, sorry, Emily, that we embarrassed you during your prom. Okay. Um, so. I have run into the f- so I've brought up so I brought up on the podcast a couple of weeks ago how I've how I have um, moved back home and it's been kind of weird and honestly by moved back home you don't mean moved in with your parents mom. no I mean like I've moved back to my hometown They're- so uh, why did I bring this all up um, I brought up on the podcast before how it's been kind of weird you know because you just have to confront things from high school and from your past that you just never thought you were going to have to confront again or you pass by a building you go on you know you go to the store you see like a person on the other side of the store and it's kind of like a weird trigger and uh like i saw a dude that i went to high school with who was just a complete and total asshole and i really kind of felt bad for him by the end of my time there and i saw him at the store and we both kind of stared at each other and we're like are you i don't know and it could be you but i really got to get this like hamburger thing so i gotta go this this past week, I ran into there was like a girl that I, I went to high school with. Uh, like this, this happens to me all the time. Though. I'm I'm seeing people that I went to high school with that I have not talked to in almost 20 years. And I saw her a couple a couple of like weeks ago. She was at this thing where we were buying on the water from. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's you! How are you? Oh great! You know, she talked to Aaron, and I saw her at this like other thing. And I was like, I don't feel like striking up a conversation. I don't know you. <laughs> and it's just like it's just weird because in high school like we were kind of friends and then i there was this thing that started to happen when after the um, end of a football game every home game i remember like one year i ended up seeing her and her friend on her friend's front porch or something 
and I would all, and I would be like walking back, and we would always stop and talk and kind of like hang out. And I actually liked her friend, but I told her friend that I liked her to try to get close to her friend because that's what <laughs> um nice guys do. And I totally forgot about this. I mean, all of that. That's I forgot so about funny. all of it until I saw her, and I was kind of telling Aaron, like, yeah. So like, I grew up with her, and I went, wait, huh? And she was always weird around me af- after that, which makes I mean, but then I never like, and it's just like, when is this gonna stop? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's and again, it's not that, like I'm like thinking about. Uh, it's not that I'm like thinking about this stuff a lot, though I do. I'm a, I do because of the podcast. If I'm being real honest, you're like, is this good podcast material? Hmm. How can I milk this? <laughs> How can I open these wounds? Um, no, because there's no wound. You know, <laughs> like yeah. there's nothing. It's just uh, it's one of those things where it's like, gosh, this whole first year is just going to be like being reminded of stuff I just forgot about. Yeah, yeah, like, that's so good weird. In, you know, an like, inadvertent trip down memory lane that you don't want. Yeah, and it's and it's not like it's bad. It's 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 not like it's a thing where it's like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I need to go to accounting. It's just it's just kind of like, oh yeah, that. <laughs> oh yeah, Weird. that. By that I mean that girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I, I just and we were there, and like she was she was with her family doing stuff with other, you know, and I was like, I like we didn't say hi to each other. We just kind of were like doing our thing. And uh, there's one point in time where we were kind of in line while her family was doing this was doing this like other thing, and I was like, I could try to say hi, but we haven't had a chance to yet. I don't want to try to find that opportunity. Like, how do I do this? I'm just gonna kind of like not do anything, and if and we'll see what happens. And I was fine with that. Is that okay? Yeah, of course, that's okay. In fact, you know what's also okay? Just running away and never speaking to her ever, ever again. Because you're not in high school anymore, and you don't owe anyone anything. Well, I guess, like, that's the thing. Is like, what do I, you know, I, I don't, like, there's, I don't know what else to say besides hi. You know, like, I don't, like, how, how are things? Now, there are other people that if I were to see that I've talked to where I'm like, oh, that's right. Like, we get along like you're cool and we get along like so when we saw like we saw actually a couple of girls that that I went to high school with I mean girls these are like full grown women <laughs> full grown women in their mid 30s they, <laughs> they have they have hair in new places they have uh chest I'm trying to do a puberty thing <laughs> like, and how do you say it but not be weird right yeah they got big boobies they have had <laughs> They have literally had six kids. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, no, they have like, like you know, and it, and it's just kind of funny because like you can because I've like talked with a couple people. I'm like, oh, that's right. Like, you're really cool. Like, I, I rather like you're a nice person that I can that I can um talk to, and it's and it's uh, been nice. But it's just kind of been like these weird. It's so weird, man. And so yeah. I'm curious to see. I'm waiting to see if like we actually connect oh, oh, with anyone. Or we just, it's just these pleasant, like, interactions here and there. Or if it's just, like, always just kind of like, oh, yeah, you. <laughs> it's probably always going to be like that, Luke. It's, even, it's really, even when you're 45. I was, I was actually uh, talking to Emily about this. This is my sister. And she was telling me how she was talking with one of her friends that is still here and how there are these girls in high school that they could not stand. And they're all back now, and they'll have kids in. They're like all they're like all in kindergarten, 
and it's and it like, and, and you know, like Emily's friend was like, "Son of a bitch, I have to see them now for eighteen years." <laughs> <laughs> I hated this woman, and now every damn day. <laughs> I know, and now like, Carline. But like, could could you imagine that though? Like, just like people that you were like, "Oh, thank God, I'm done with all this," and then it's like, "Holy crap, I'm going to see you at school plays, parent teacher conferences." Dances, sports, gr- like graduation ceremonies, choir shows, you know, like all the stuff. And so this ends this week's this week's version of Luke moves back to his hometown. Man, that's I like this. I like this this walk for you down memory lane. I just want you to for the before the next segment, we'll say in two weeks we'll hit back, hit back at this. But in those two weeks. You have to do like three things that you did in high school with Aaron. So you gotta like go to the church where you were at youth group, and you have to go to a youth night. Uh, you have to go go to a high school football game where you used to play football. They are terrible, yeah, because they don't have their Lukey Duke. Uh, and then you have to, I don't know, like make out with a girl, and then maybe you can make <laughs> out with Aaron. Where yeah, you some- made out with a girl. You got to do some weird stuff in your parents' basement. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crap. I just took a big drink of PBR (laughs) right when you said that. Oh, I almost spit it all over everything. (laughs) Uh, And I can't imagine why we didn't get invited to SLS this this year. Or SLC, whatever the hell Seek calls it. Uh, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like, what if I just started to engage with these people more just because I wanted content for the podcast? Yeah, I think that would be wonderful. <laughs> like, there was this girl that I saw that I was like, oh, you. Uh, you look old. <laughs> and I was like, shit. Like, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're 36 probably, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, makes sense. Makes sense you're super old and gray and weird looking. And the whole time she's thinking, you look like Mr. Peanut. Yeah. She's like, Luke, holy shit. You put on at least, what, 120 pounds and are bald. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You saw me in preschool. Of course I gained 120 pounds. (laughs) Yeah, if you compare me to what I weighed in 1992. (laughs) <laughs> how old were you 92 nine years old uh 92 I was, okay so i was a little bit of a hefty kid surprise of the century so 92 i would have been fourth grade i was probably close to 100 pounds you were a hefty kid oh yeah no i know oh <laughs> I mean, your perm alone weighed 60, 70 pounds. <laughs> I've seen like some um, pictures of me where I just go, holy crap, dude. Like, what the hell? There's there's a picture of me. This is like peak youth group, youth group Luke, where I was not really like just at that like start of my heightened conversion. And so I don't care about a lot of stuff. I have a backwards hat that isn't a cap. It's, it has a little like button thing that you you know like press down i think i'm wearing a rosary <laughs> i have really long sideburns and like just like a dorky um 90s shirt i'm like someone needs to punch him <laughs> and go start shopping at structure <laughs> get your shit at j crew 
Do you ever think about how you're going to screw up your kids? All the freaking time. Are you kidding what? me? Absolutely. Like, what? Like, how have, How do you, like, where, okay, so let me preface this with by saying I think you're an excellent dad. I think you're, that your wife is a fantastic mom, and you guys do so much stuff right. That being said, you you are you are human beings, and the one time that we were both supposed to watch your kids, we fell asleep while they just watched hours of Guardians of the Galaxy, the cartoon. Okay, number one, they were in a controlled environment. <laughs> I had already got them snacks, and I woke up several times while you were in a mild coma and made sure they were okay. Okay, but that said, being said. Cecilia, Luke. stop playing with Luke's phone. And I was like, whatever, Cecilia, I'm so tired. <laughs> I stayed up till four in the morning every night. What is wrong with me, Cecilia? <laughs> I just wish I were back in high school. <laughs> flat, flat Luke, he's 33 years old in this story, does not have the energy to do what he just did yeah. and has to fly home and then work. Oh, man, that was that was crazy. That was crazy. So uh, this is the weird thing that happens to you when you're a parent. You discover things about yourself that you never knew existed and you do not like. So I never knew I, I truly had a temper. My kids have brought out of me a temper that I never knew I had. And so there are times where, like, literally, my wife will be like, you need to calm down. And I need to say the same thing to her from time to time. Like, kids just do stuff that make you lose your shit. I think about that, like, when they were three years old and you're teaching them how to pick up a toy and put it in the basket. And then you pick up all the rest of the toys. I would, like, I would, like, lose my mind and, like, have to go for a walk. And I'm, like, the most mild-mannered passive aggressive person <laughs> surely i could take it out on them in some passive aggressive way but i would just i i don't know i don't know man you think about this in terms of um like i think about it my kids are very physically active and i think i'm gonna screw them up because i'm not in my life i'm i'm a fat exhausted man who sits at a desk for hours and hours and I often think about, like, okay, what was my dad doing when I was that age? And I was like, well, he would buy me soccer balls and baseballs and stuff, and I had to just do that. So my oldest son, Noah, he plays sports. And my daughters, all of my kids are in gymnastics. I just feel like I'm failing. I don't I think the thing is there's this general feeling that I'm not good enough for them, and I'm constantly not doing or saying the right thing to them. And so there'll be times when I get them in trouble or they, they get in trouble. And I'm like, and I ask myself, like, do I punish them so that they don't do this in the future? But will that scar them right now? Or do I say, okay, it's no big deal this time, but later, like, you're constantly walking this damn tightrope between like going full out, like, I need to punish them for this action so that they don't repeat it in the future. But then they react to it in the, you know, in the most devastating of ways. And then you add that my daughter, Cecilia, who has generalized anxiety disorder, and you don't know the type of reaction you're going to get. There are times where I tell Cecilia, listen, no, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have hit your brother. Go upstairs to your room. And she'll go, okay. And there are other times when she'll just lose her mind screaming at you or screaming at herself. And then she'll go upstairs and she'll be like, 
I hate myself. I'm I'm a piece of crap. I you know, and she'll say things like you didn't even know words you didn't even know she knew. So I mean, we had to have my baby girl in counseling because she said some pretty horrific things after getting in trouble. She broke a she cracked a window upstairs totally on accident. And my wife wasn't even mad at her because she knew it was just a total accident. But she started saying some things that literally were like, you know, borderline self-harm stuff. Yeah. And just the yeah. words. And, you know, my wife calls me trembling, crying, and she's like, what did I say? What did I, you know? And then I come home, and I, am, I you know, I immediately leave work, fly home, run up the stairs, and, and I can hear her screaming at herself, Cecilia. And she's screaming at herself, and she's sobbing, and she's like, I'm the worst. I don't deserve to live. I don't deserve. And you're like, mm. no, no, no. Stop. Oh. Stop. Please yeah. stop. Please, for mommy, stop. Like, I can handle this right now, but your mommy can't. And I'm just thinking, like, how do I react to her reaction? Might make or break her mental health in certain ways. And so we're trying to do all the things by, like, early identification and treatment and talking about it. And we spent a boatload of money going through, like, all the testing and all that stuff. But you can't fix it. This isn't a fixable thing. This is a copable thing. And maybe uh, down the line we'll give her some, uh, what do you call it, Zoloft or something like that. And we'll, her medication will help to ease the highs and lows. But, I mean, like, Luke you literally feel paralyzed as a parent sometimes. And that's the thing that they don't really talk about in the old theology of the body class. Like, you feel paralyzed that if I overreact, am I doing a damage to them in our in our relationship? But at the same time, I'm not their friend. I'm their parent. So I, I constantly... I, to be a parent means you're racked with worry and you second-guess everything you do. And you've never been more in love with the very object that drives you insane. Can you be okay with the fact of knowing that, like, are you, is there a part of you that knows that, like, I'm probably going to screw this up? And let's presume, like, screw up being, like, not going to lead to any sort of, like, catastrophe. You know, just, uh, like, normal life. Like, I'm probably going to screw this up a little bit just because I'm, I'm not perfect. You know, I think a lot about, like, when we used to read the book Wild at Heart, and they talk about the father wound. Mm-hmm. Like, how many dozens of wounds do they have? Like, what is it? Like, how can I get... Because I talk all the time, like, and I've asked my kids for forgiveness when I feel like I've gone overboard. I try to model that behavior. Um, I I take comfort in the, in the saying from G.K. Chesterton, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. I never understood what that meant until I became a dad. And I'm like, this is worth doing. And even if I'm not good at it, I'm going to do the best that I can possibly be at it and let Bob Schutz's healing ministry take care of the rest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sister Miriam, come help my kids. Like, kids are going to be real honest. Uh, you're going to have to go to like, Sister Miriam for a lot of this stuff down the road. <laughs> so just like, just say no. That should be your next step. Right, but the, so. the reality... And, and here's the other thing. Like, we homeschool, so then you constantly weigh... How do I expose them to the things of this world and the fact that people will hate them? People will literally be awful to them just for the sake of being awful. Like, kids are jerks. Kids are mean. And then, so I'm trying to teach my kids, like, how do you deal with that? How do you not let that? I mean, because my, my oldest daughter is a lover of people. 
Katiri wants to be loved and to love. That's all she wants out of life. She thinks everyone is her friend. And I can remember when we first moved into this neighborhood, we walked down the street and there were some kids playing. They were a little bit older. And she just waves at them smiling. Hi, because she wants them. She wants older kids to say, wow, you're really cool. Come play with me. You know, and instead they didn't even wave. They didn't even acknowledge my daughter's existence. And so we kept walking and we rounded the corner to go to like the community mailbox. And she goes, Daddy, and she, so she, at this time, she's like five, and she's like, why wouldn't they wave at me? And I was like, oh, honey, they were probably too busy, uh, you know, or they weren't paying attention. She goes, no, Daddy, I was looking at them. Why weren't they waving at me? I said hi. I said my name. I asked them their name, and I go, honey, because some kids are just, are just, are just, you know, I don't know, honey. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. How do you like, explain do you a jerk that, to like, a five-year-old? The world can be, a, well, how do you, I mean. How do you explain to a kid that the world can be a really, really dark place? I'll tell you how. Through books and uh, through fairy tales and not the Disney version of the fairy tales. Hey, go easy on those. Right. <laughs> Watched a lot of Frozen this past weekend with my niece. And Moana, which has a phenomenal soundtrack. Go on. Oh, you're just, you're just discovering that. Meanwhile, I've heard it so many times I wanted to vomit. And then when you posted that <laughs> on Twitter, I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh so, yeah. Um, oh, what did you just say? My brain lost it. Like, how do you expose kids to the oh, fact no, that the okay, world is a yeah. dark place? Oh, no, okay, yeah. So, the story of fairy tales. Like, literally, the grim fairy tales and all this stuff. I, I went to Costco one day, and they had the collection of the Brothers Grimm fairy tales and the other, I can't remember what the other ones were. And I would read them the stories, and the stories are kind of horrific and macabre and all that stuff. Uh, you know, People die in them, and I tell them these stories, right? And they're like, "What? Why? What? What? You know, what? Why did that thing happen? And why did that?" And the whole idea is, it's through stories that they experience safely some dangerous emotions, right? And that's what you—that's yeah. yeah. that's the point of a story, right? Like, uh, put yourself. What was the line from um, Peter Dinklage in? The first season of Game of Thrones, when they asked him why does he read Last. so much, he's like, "Oh, because yeah. you can live a hundred other lives and rather than just this one." And that, I mean, that's kind of the point, right? So you tell them tons of stories. The things I love about the Chronicles of Narnia is those kids experience the consequence of their actions while also experiencing things like redemption, forgiveness, and mercy. Right. So you can't hide from them the worst of life. But you have to give it to them in a way for their little minds to comprehend. And so doing things like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, taking them to our buddy's daughter's funeral. You know, when she died, the first funeral mass, my kids, uh, Kateri Sicilian, I think Noah, maybe Thomas was too young, um, was our buddy's daughter's funeral. Oh, gosh, yeah. And they would act, they would pull on my shirt and they'd be like well where is she where is she because we were praying the whole time for the mama's pregnancy and all this stuff and then yeah. it was and then they understood oh, that she's awful. in that tiny tiny little coffin and daddy and mommy are like losing their shit crying mm -hmm. but they didn't understand why we were so sad but they began to and then seeing things like that where we now are with that family, and uh, 
you know, they have three beautiful children, and Shannon watches the kids sometimes, and we love their kids, and their kids love us, um, is a way that they can see painful things and see good outcomes afterwards. Um, you know, like, I, I do struggle with certain things will just devastate them, and you have to let it. And then other things, you have to not let the kids see that. You ever see the movie Life is Beautiful? Uh, that's with um, the Italian guy, right? In this, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't remember it if I did. So it's a story that him and his son, they're Jewish. They get caught up in the Nazi concentration camp kind of thing going on in Italy and in and, and Germany. And they're deported as Jews. And he basically tells his son, this is all a game of pretend. It's a very complicated game. And everyone's playing it. And he creates his whole point system so that his son can hide mm-hmm. and not get caught by the Nazis because he was too young to make the cutoff and he would have been killed. And the father, he said, what, what am I going to win if I get all the points? And he's like, you're going to win a new tank. Or, you know, he's like, I want a tank. And sure enough, right at the end of the movie, the concentration camp is liberated by American troops who come rolling in through a tank. And the little boy's like, I won, I won, I won, I won the tank. But the dad is, is now dead because of all the violence that broke out but he preserved his son from the absolute horrors of the camp you know and there's this element where you got to kind of walk that line uh <clears throat> with your kids and it's scary because you don't know what's going to haunt them and what just kind of needs to them for them to process you know like i mean it, you never know like yoda my kids are terrified of Yoda. Hmm. My Cecilia had night- and Noah had nightmares of Yoda for literally months. Like, Yoda was standing at the foot of my bed. And I was like, that's awesome. Where'd you go? Did you go on a magical adventure? <laughs> I'll freaking go on a magical adventure with Yoda. Did he jump on your tell back? Me. Did you do flips and stuff around a swamp? I'll do that. Did he tell you deep things that help you o- overcome killing your father? <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> wait a second. Don't battle your father. And then did he let you down in stories that, uh, that took place before all the, the stuff happened? Did you find out that he actually wasn't crippled and impaired with a cane and could do sweet flips around a loading dock in the second movie? And he was going to try to kill that guy who was in that one thing for no real reason and they never really developed that character all that much, only to be killed off in the third film you that you thought was going to be kind of good? Count Dooku. Yeah, seriously. All right, sorry, I know. Okay, sorry. You were at, you had this deep. Amazing no, I'm so happy we did that, so I can stop crying. Anywho, more PBR. <laughs> That'll help. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things that are gonna like harm our kids in the future. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No sorry, kidding. I'm just, that's that's horrible. You're pouring your heart out. I'm just, just poking fun at your wound. Right, but I mean, like, I think we can all think of things that our parents did that we wish they didn't, mm-hmm. and things that our parents did that they that we wish they did more of. And there are things that when I come home, I am just, I'm freaking burned out from the day. I would say this is the hardest thing about being a dad. I'm burned out you know, just from the day, normal day stuff, no, nothing crazy. I'm just tired. And I come home and they're jazzed because daddy's home. And they, because I just walked in the door, they went from a five to like a nine. And I'm at a two 
going down to a one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, dinner is my, the, I walk in the door like, daddy, daddy, daddy. And I love it. There's nothing. My daughter Katiri would say every time I walked through the door, daddy. And she would, her eyes would be big as saucers. And she would go, daddy, you came home for me. She would say that every single day for like three years. And now she says it kind of as a joke. And it's like, oh, we had that. Hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it is so easy to lose. See, I don't even know. I don't even, I, yes, I do think I'm screwing up my kids. I don't know how to stop that. I don't know what it is that I'm saying that's going to cause it. But like, here's what I mean by that is that, so I have, I have my niece in town this week. She's currently, uh, down in Cincinnati, but, uh, her, but her and Emily were here all weekend, and it was wonderful. I just, it was honestly, it's been some of the, just, uh, just been the absolute, absolute best is the only way that I can put it. I am just in love with my niece, and I, and I just I love my sisters, and it's been so good to hang out with them. And I was just hearing Emily, you know, because we're, like, me and Aaron are uh, very, very proactively trying to, trying to have, trying to ha- have kids. And uh, so this is I'm, I'm like I'm like okay like it's either like it's gonna happen or it is adoption so like it's happening, uh, regardless. Right. And uh, t- talking to Emily about how like she parents she was telling us about this a website that she uses and she plans out like she's very big on a routine f- um, with my niece and all this stuff and I'm like man Emily is it was like so cool to just hear like how Emily is such a good and to see how such how good of a mom emily is and then to see when we facetime brian like how my niece just goes daddy it was like ran i mean she ran towards the phone it was just so i'm like clearly she loves brian and brian's a right. phenomenal father and i started to think about this and just how cool it is to like you know like just knowing that like that's gonna be us here soon and uh hopefully and um that uh um, but then I had, I had this thought of like, but they'll screw up something. Like they're not perfect. Like they're great people, but like we all and like I had phenomenal parents. I loved my parents. I like my mom is one of the greatest um, people in like I adore uh, my mom. Everyone loves my mom. She's that kind of a perfect. Fact. But I think she'd be the she'd be the first one to tell you that like she was not a perfect mom. Um, she was close. I honestly, I mean, she was great. But, like, we all have our faults. And there are things that, like, some of my dad's, like, shortcomings that, like, I've had to deal with. And I've had to, like, really take a look at and go, okay, I'm going to actively not be like this, even though I am. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and, uh, or, you know, or, and, and there have been things about my parents that, that I've seen that I've actually grown to love and, um, and a, to the things that I've grown to love and, like, appreciate. But, the bottom line is we're human beings and we screw these things up and like I get I, I, like why I bring it up is like how do you get to a point to where you're okay with that? Not, not like that you're glad that it happened but you're like I'm, I'm going to do the absolute best I can but like how do you not go insane by I that mean, fact? Th- I think parenthood is described as a, model, a mild functional form of insanity (laughs) like you are literally worried all the time you're worried about yourself you're worried about your kids you're worried about how other kids interact with your kids 
you hope your kid's not the weird one, the odd one, the smelly one, the mean one, the you know dumb one. You worry about all of these things, and you try to count. The, here's the crazy thing: is living in the suburbs, especially a wealthy suburb, you see how parents desperately want their kids to be popular at all costs, even at a young age. And it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Um, my, uh, you know, me and my daughter and my my wife, we were talking about this one lady's girl who has uh, a handful of issues. And I don't know what the issues are, but she has zero friends in her school. Zero friends. So I asked my daughter, I said, Katiri, are there some girls that you know that are difficult to hang out with? Like, you're there, whether it's at this event or that event, where there's a handful of girls, and it's hard. And then she starts bringing up, like, her past when she was, like, four. And I'm like, Kadiri, I don't care when you're four. You're nine now. Let's move on. And so she honestly couldn't think of a single girl in her life. That was it. So then I bring up this one girl that me and my wife were talking about. And I said, is she hard or difficult to hang out with? And she's like, no. I said, do you ever seek her out? To befriend her. And she's like, uh, no. Like, I have a lot of friends, and so I'm just, like, so busy seeing all them. Because they do this stuff. Yeah, anyway. So, I, I start to ask her. I said, now, what would it look like if you were that girl and you didn't have any friends? And she's like, I guess it would be awful, right, Daddy? And I was like, yeah. I said, so, if you felt that way, wouldn't you want someone to come up to you and a, a kid and just to start talking to you and be interested in you? And she's like, of course. So I said, do you think you could do that for her? She's like, uh, yeah, okay. You know, and I, because I feel so bad that, you know, like whether or not my kid is going to be liked and loved and approved by others, I know that she is now. So now my question is, how can I get her, who she's so bubbly and full of life, and channel that towards the kids who are being forgotten? And in my hope is that she gets that, fancy non-entitlement uh gratitude for what she has and is able to be like a giver to others you know but it is so hard it is so Mm -hmm. hard to not want to intervene and make it all about you intervening in your like not being a helicopter parent is the hardest thing about being a parent today i don't want to be a helicopter parent my parents were were not i mean um, they knew what was going on in my life, but they didn't try to prevent me from experiencing life, right? So it's like you have to give them enough freedom that they to get hurt and experience consequences, but not so much freedom that it's going to cause like true devastation and they're unsafe. And so when I told my kids, I listened to an episode of The Art of Manliness called Free Range Children. It was about a woman who lets like a her 11-year-old take the New York subway by himself like every day. And uh, and all these people wrote in to tell her what a terrible mom she was. And she's like, I did that growing up. Everyone I knew did that growing up. I mean, my dad took two two trains and a bus to go to school every day in Philadelphia in, like, a rough time in Philadelphia's history. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I told my kids they could ride around the block. And my wife was so nervous because we just let them ride up and down our street so we can see them. And I let them go around the block. She was visibly shaking. And she started yelling at me, like, what are you thinking? What if someone takes them? And I'm like, we're fine. 
we're fine. And the kids came back, and my youngest daughter was like, I love nature. And Kateri's like, this was the best day of my life. And I was like, see? <laughs> Go tell that to your mother. <laughs> right, but imagine if and I then- never let them do that. Like, when I, was, when I was in third grade, so eight, I would ride my bike two and a half miles to school. And there were some parts where I was riding on the street. I was riding on a sidewalk. And we didn't do it all the time, but every so often my parents would let us do it. And it was nuts. Now, I would like, I, we, we all, all of my friends, we all say this. We like, I used to do blah, blah, blah. And I would never let my kids do that today. Yeah, no, I used to, I mean, I rode my bike all over the city. Yeah. Yeah, it was not like, I would stand up and not hold on to the handlebars. <laughs> I remember when I was finally able to do that, I was like, I'm a badass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. that's Well, listen, I, I think you're a really good dad, and I think all of our friends are good dads, and I hope that I can be a good dad. And uh, if we screw up our kids, we can just, you know, retire and drink together in Sun City, Arizona. <laughs> hey, did you screw up your kids? Yep. You pay them for their their kids' uh, therapy bills? Yep. Okay. We're done right. Go. I had to send my kid to Sister Miriam twice. <laughs> oh, shit. Healing the whole person didn't work the first go-round. Needed two tries, so it finally took. <laughs> just like baptism. <laughs>